0: 2 Kings 14, verses 23-29, through 29. these are God's words. In the fifteenth year of Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria and reigned forty-one years. And he did evil in the sight of Yahweh. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who, made, who had made Israel sin. He restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of the Arabah, According to the word of Yahweh, God of Israel, which she had spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-hefer. For Yahweh saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, and whether bond or free, there was no helper for Israel. And Yahweh did not say that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, son of Joash. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam and all that he did, his might, how he made war, how he recaptured for Israel from Damascus and Hamath, what had belonged to Judah, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. So Jeroboam rested with his fathers, the kings of Israel, and Zechariah, his son, reigned in his place. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant work. Well, we have in the southern kingdom some who are said to have done what was right in the eyes of Yahweh, uh, either like their father David or not quite like their father David. Uh, all in the northern kingdom do evil in the sight of Yahweh because they continue in the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And we shouldn't wonder that someone who is named after Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, uh, and is the son of uh, the northern uh Joash, uh, who is even worse than the southern Joash, uh, that this one would do evil in the eyes of Yahweh, not departing from the sin of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. But what we see is the Lord includes his mighty work. He restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of Arabah. Now immediately we must note that this is not Jeroboam II's uh, personal mighty work. Uh, Those are summarized in verse 28, uh, and only uh, by way of basically saying uh, that they are immaterial uh, to what the Lord is recording for his people's instruction, and those can go be found in Uh, Other history books, but not in this theological history book, not in this redemptive history book. Uh, And if we look closer, uh, all Jeroboam gets credit for is having been on the throne at the time. Uh, Look at the rest of verse 25. Uh, It is not the wisdom uh, or the warning uh, of Jeroboam that restores the territory. It is the word of Yahweh, God of Israel. Uh, Jonah the son of Amittai has more to do with the restoration of Israel than Jeroboam the second son of Joash. Uh, The Lord speaks through his servant and his word brings it about, uh, and we actually have uh, as much of or or, or more uh, of a biographical description of the prophet who spoke the words, who himself is just a servant, is just a mouth. Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-hepher, uh, And it comes out of the word of Yahweh because of the love of Yahweh, the mercy of Yahweh. Note verse 26. Yahweh saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, and whether bond or free, there was no helper for Israel. Uh, in other words, the king uh, was not a help for Israel until the Lord decided to raise him up. Um, the Lord Yahweh did not say that He would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but He say He saved them by the hand of Jeroboam the son of Joash. So it's the Lord who speaks by the mouth of Jonah, and it's the Lord who saves by the hand of Jeroboam, uh, by of Jeroboam the second. But it is the Lord who saves, and he saves because he's compassionate, as he sees in verse 26, and therefore he is patient, uh, he is patient in part because of the name Israel, uh, they are, uh they are named by their father, uh, for whom there is a covenant, uh, and just as the Davidic line cannot be completely uh, extinguished until Jesus comes. Israel itself cannot be blotted out from under heaven uh, until God uh, has saved his Israel, whom Hebrews 11 tells us Abraham and Isaac and Jacob always knew to be a spiritual people, uh, and their land ultimately to be a spiritual land, a heavenly land that they themselves would inherit. Uh, And so they did not love this world or the things of this world. So this is not a story or a history uh, of Jeroboam accomplishing things despite his wickedness. Uh, This is the history of the Lord sparing his people for the sake of his covenant and looking on his people uh, in the character of his compassion and saving them (coughs) even by the hand of a wicked king. Uh, and so, we too, in times, in um the nation, uh, but especially in the church, uh, because our nation is not guaranteed to continue. And he may well blot out the name of America from under heaven, uh, and yet uh, he is building his church. And even if the lampstand of our church is removed as the lampstand of the north, Uh, to speak anachronistically uh, and something that they didn't have because they were no longer worshipping at the temple with the actual lampstand but had followed the false worship of the son of Nebat that departed from coming through the Lord Jesus Christ. But to speak anachronistically, uh, the lampstand of the north was removed uh, when they were exiled by the Assyrians uh, not too long after this. Uh, and yet the Lord still had a care for his covenant. He still had a compassion for his people. Uh, and he spared and restored them. He cared about the bitterness of their affliction. Uh, and he restored them even by the hand of Jeroboam the uh, second. So yes, this is part of the continuing story of the great evil uh, of Jeroboam the son of Nebat. But the bigger story in these seven verses is the great love and the unbreakable covenant commitment of our God to whom we may cling in the midst of any season of evil. For those seasons come and go, but the covenant of our God and the compassion of our God is forever, and we see that most of all in the fact that they have come to us in Christ whatever our nation does, whatever our church does, whatever is coming of them, you may cling to God in Christ and know that he looks upon you with compassion. And he may even redeem and spare temporally by the hand of wicked men. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, bringing to us a word in season. We pray that our congregation and our presbytery and our synod, and the church in our land, would not so provoke you as to have its lampstand removed. And yet we thank you that we have just read of you, even that even if that is what is in the process of happening, that you still look upon your people with compassion. We come to you through Christ. We cling to you. Uh, in him we ask for the help of your spirit that he would make us hate to sin against such a good and merciful and faithful and compassionate god as you are and make us love to trust in you and make us love to obey you and do we pray even in the midst of years hear the affliction of your people and send to spare And we pray for repentance, we pray for reformation, and we pray for revival, that they would come from the same compassion and the same faithfulness of which we have just now been reminded in your word. Grant it, O God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.